Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right, well, how's everybody doing today? Again, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for celebrating families of, of uh, you know, the, the, the families that had their children dedicated. Thank you for being a part of that. That is a special day. It's an important day, and it's a, it's a day they won't forget as we, you know, just say, man, we honor and we dedicate our children back to the Lord. What a gift it is uh, to be given children, uh, but then to give them back to God is a great, great thing. So I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. And uh, just uh, praying for your families, okay? Well, hey, let's get into the word this morning. Why don't we get into it? Let's start with a word of prayer first. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for all that you do for us. Speak through me, your messenger. I pray that you would uh, just give me the words to say. And these are your people, the ears to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Awesome, awesome. So, hey, let's, uh, let's start with this. It's the sermon series that we've been into. And I'm proud of you guys for sticking it out for three weeks in a row. Like, literally, this isn't a fun series because it's like, when is this guy going to be done talking about help wanted and we need help? Well, we're going to be done in four weeks and at the end of this month. So one more week after this. But thank you guys for coming, for being a part of this. Help wanted is a 2,000-year-old problem. It's not a, a two-year-old problem. It's not a Miami problem. It is a, an issue that Jesus said uh, was a problem even when he saw those people um, there and, and he was proclaiming the news of the kingdom and healing disease and sickness. And he said, it says in Matthew 9, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth his workers into his harvest field. Help wanted is a 2,000-year-old problem and we need your help to help us fulfill the vision and the mission that we have the vision to lead people to a renewed life in Christ the mission which is the great commission the one that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven to to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit he, this is not just the job of the pastor it's not just the po- job of the staff it's it's a church-wide we are the body of Christ all of us serving in our different parts to make a difference around us. What you saw just a few minutes ago was one of our core values being lived out. One of our core values is we pursue the next generation. So even when they're just a few months old or years old, we're going to do what we can to help lead these children into a renewed life in Christ by starting by by saying we're dedicating them back to the Lord. Let me, uh, let me get right into my message, and I'll start with a story. Uh, when I was in high school, I didn't want to be a pastor. Um, I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like, I, I felt like that was just too, too much schooling, too much education. I didn't want to be a teacher or a policeman. You, anybody want to know what I wanted to, to, to be? You want to know? I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be rich. You're judging me already, aren't you? I wanted, that's, that's the truth, though. I was one of those people that, that said, man, as a high school kid, I want to retire at 30. And I was like puffing out my shoulders like, I'm going to figure this out. I want to be rich. And, and, and I think that's how I got the wife that I did because she knew that that was my goal. But then my goal changed later on in life. You'll hear about that. But she wanted to be rich. She thought she was marrying a rich guy. 
and she didn't. But most of you know my parents are missionaries. That's the opposite of rich. Like if you're, if you're, you're rich, you're not a missionary, right? And, and I was born on the mission field. My dad was in ministry, but he was also in business. I, I think that's part of the reason why two of his sons are in business and then two of his sons are in ministry um, is because, you know, we're all kind of carrying on his legacy. When I moved, from, uh, moved to Florida... No, when we moved back from Florida, from Florida back to Oklahoma, where some of my family was when I was a middle school kid, my dad was in real estate. He was no longer in vocational ministry. He was doing real estate and rental properties and things like that. So my dad was passionate about the kingdom of God, but he was, uh, uh, you know, vocationally, his income was like Paul, a tent maker. He was making his living in real estate. So um, I, I had this heart for real estate, watching my dad do this kind of thing. And so at 18 years of age, while most kids are like thinking about what, you know, their next car is going to be or, or, you know, what they're going to do for their birthday party and stuff like that. And my 18th birthday, I'm like taking this weekend real estate course um, at a little, you know, office building um, in South Side of Oklahoma City. At 18, I, I, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to I follow in these footsteps of my dad, but I, I really want to succeed and I want to be rich. I, I sold my first house as a real estate agent at 18 years of age. I bought my first personal home as a, as a, a homeowner, buying my own home at 19 years of age, a freshman in, in college. At the same time, I was also in ministry. I was a, a volunteer youth pastor serving at a church in an inner city church in, in Oklahoma City. And then uh, just a couple of years later, we moved back to Miami, moved to the Homestead area where I began uh, doing uh, vocational work, real estate and mortgages, and at the same time, it, volunteering in, in youth ministry. From age 19 to 28, that was my life. I, I was, is, it was at about 28 that I stepped into full-time ministry. But from 19 to 28, I was really wanting to be rich. Like I love to serve God and I love to do ministry, but I also really wanted to be rich. So from 19 to 28, um, I, I had purchased, and I, I had to kind of go back through it this week to think through the houses, and I may have missed one, but the, the number of houses that I bought and sold and some I bought and kept were 13 houses in those, um, in those eight years while also running a mortgage brokerage in Homestead. But then God called me into full-time ministry, and, and I dropped my nets, and I began to follow Jesus. The last rental property that I purchased, besides the house that we live in now that we bought a couple of years ago, the last home we bought was in, in 2008. I, I'll come back to this story in a little bit. I'll tell you a little bit more about it and why I'm telling you this in just a few minutes. But if we start in Matthew chapter 9... We, we hear this, this Jesus seeing the harvest. He sees the souls and he has uh, uh, you know, compassion on them. And he says, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you back up in, uh, in that book, Matthew chapter 9 to Matthew chapter 4, you, you see where Jesus' ministry began. His ministry began at about 30 years of age. Um, prior to that, he was in his dad's business. His dad was a carpenter. So he was doing carpentry work and building cabinets and making tables and doing that kind of stuff. But then his ministry began, he was baptized, he spent 40 days in the wilderness in, in prayer and fasting, and then he begins to build a team. Matthew chapter 4, this is how his ministry begins, by building a team. And this is, this is kind of an abbreviated version of what happened. The Gospels share this in, in several different Gospels, but he, he sees in, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, he sees some fishermen named Simon and Andrew on the shore, and he says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once it says, 
these men, they left their nets, they left their job, they left their vocation, and they followed him. And he sees two more, he does the same thing, and they begin to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, their rabbi. They, some would say that what, what I'm about to share in our primary text is Luke chapter 5. Some would say these are two different instances, but it's a similar story, and no matter your opinion on this, it doesn't take away from the point. And this is the calling of Luke, uh, I mean, excuse me, the calling of Simon in the book of Luke. So our text is Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and asked to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught, he taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. This is God's word. We're thankful for it today. And I want to I just kind of expand upon this, these set of scriptures and, and talk a little bit about this as it relates to uh, the idea of help wanted. The first thing that I want you to get from this message, the first thing that I want you to see in this text is that Jesus tells uh, Simon to put out into deep water. After Jesus used Peter's boat as a platform to preach to a crowd of people, he says, hey, let's go a little ways out. Let's go into some deeper water. Let's let down the nets for a catch. Notice he didn't say, uh, let's go try to catch a fish. I, I think that's why I don't like to fish. People ask me if I fish. I live in Florida. I'm near the water. Do I like to fish? I'm like, no, because when I go fishing, I never catch anything. And I, I, I've been around uh, some other people that said, hey, let me, let me teach you how not to fish, but how to catch. And so I'm, I'm into catching. I'm just not into fishing because I don't know how to do it. Jesus says to them, he says, let's put out the nets for a, a catch. And so that's what they do. At first, though, Peter's arguing. At first, Peter's saying, but Jesus, we've worked all night. And I think when Jesus, I mean, when Peter's saying we've worked all night, he's also saying, like, not, not only are we exhausted, uh, not only are our nets prepared and cleaned and, and, and uh, ready for tomorrow, but deep water, like, you want us to, to, to shallow cast in deep water to catch fish. Like, that doesn't even make sense, Jesus how do you even know where the fish are? It's the middle of the day. We've tried all night. We didn't catch anything. And now you want us to catch in this deep water. And maybe there's someone today, maybe someone in the room that needs to put out into deep water today. God has called you to stop playing it safe and doing the things that you've always done. Instead, it's time to put out into deep water, to go deeper in your faith. And I, I love this story. I love this concept because... 
I feel like it's a bigger faith move, but it's a preparation move for Peter because Peter is putting faith over doubt. Faith over doubt, the doubt that, you know, like why in the world would, would um, Jesus, a carpenter, know anything about fishing? But you know what? I'm going to put my faith over my doubt and I'm going to throw the net out and I'm going to see if I can catch some fish. And that was a preparation move for putting faith over fear, which is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, which is when not only did Peter throw a net over the water, but Peter throws himself over the boat and he begins to walk on water. You see, it takes faith to walk with Jesus. It takes faith to, to step out into deeper water to do things that are bigger than yourselves. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's not confidence in the things that you do see. It's not confidence in the things that you can measure and, and, and calculate and, 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 and hold in your hands. It's the things that you do not see. So when Jesus says, put out into deeper water, he's saying, trust me for something that's deeper than you can understand. Trust me for something bigger than even what you might realize. There might be something underneath the surface if you'll begin to trust God. And that goes for each and every one of you. If you begin to trust God with the things in your life that may seem be, be seemingly insignificant, God might be doing something greater uh, in your life than you would ever imagine. For Peter and his companions, it was a huge catch of fish. And Peter, his first response when, when he sees this catch of fish, you know, being pulled in, he's like, get away from me, God. I'm a sinner. In other words, he's saying to, to Jesus, he's like, I'm not worthy to be in the same boat as you. In other words, he's saying, I'm, I'm not the guy for this. If, if you're fixing to do something, it's not me, Jesus. Like, if this was like preparation for something else, I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm not qualified. I'm, I don't have enough experience. There's probably someone else that you're looking for. I love in Acts where uh, they, they recall who Peter and, and uh, John were when they're encountering some Pharisees and some people that were opposing the faith, this is after Jesus has already ascended into heaven. They, they encounter him and, and they said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Their only qualification was that they had been with Jesus. Amen? Their only qualification was, was that they had been with Jesus. They didn't go to Pharisee school. They didn't study the scriptures from, from birth. They didn't know all the things that they were supposed to know. What it was is they were unschooled, ordinary men. If you go back to the Greek of that, the word that they use for ordinary is idiote. And if you take that to the English, you know what it is? They were idiots. Jesus saw this. I mean, uh, the, the, the people saw this, and, and Jesus saw it, and he was like, I'm going to use an idiot. I'm going to use an idiot to help me build my church. I'm going to, Petros is the guy we're going to build the church on. His name is Peter. You're rock. We're going to build the church on you, idiot. Like that's, that's what it is. But that's what happens. And that's how God uses people. I, I want you to get this. And I know I've said it a hundred times in the past, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the, 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 you know, the smartest and the brightest and the best, he, he calls the idiots and he, he qualifies them. That's why I'm standing where I am today. Amen? 
You guys are loosening up. Thank God for that. 1035 is waking up. So, first point, first thing that I want you to get put out into deep water. Take, take a little bit of a, 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 a faith step and say, God, what do you want to do? Second thing is stop running from the purpose that God has for you. I had no idea what God was going to do and how he was going to use real estate to help me in ministry. But 14 years later, in, in the last 14 years from, from 2008 to today, I haven't bought any more properties. And, and, and believe it or not, even though it was like something that we like craved over and we surfed those HGTV shows, we, we loved the flipper flop. We loved all of that stuff. That was just who we were. That's what we liked to do. And yet in the last 14 years, my wife and I have had no desire. We still watch the shows, but we have no desire to buy or invest in real estate. And yet, the ones that we still own, the ones that we still have, are part of how Missy and I can afford to live in Miami. It's part of how we have one income and we're able to do full-time ministry in a city like Miami. God used this stuff. God used the things that, that we loved and that we were passionate about to make a difference. What does God want to use in your life? And how could he use it in a bigger way, in a greater way, if you would fully and completely trust him with it? I mean, if you could really trust God with your, your retirement, if you could really trust God with your, your, your future, if you could really trust God as these families did with your kids, if you could trust God with your health and your home purchase and, and your, your career choices and everything, like, what could God do if you stopped holding on to it and you just said, I surrender everything? What would it take? For you to completely trust God. For Peter, it was a huge boat sinking load of fish. That's what he needed. He needed a boat sinking load of fish. And, and it was in that point that, that Peter does what's next. What does he do? He, he goes out, he doubles down, he buys more boats, he hires employees, he figures out how to increase profits and, and do some marketing and, and all of these things, right? Is that what he does? Is that what we just read? No, it says, as soon as he catches a boatload of fish, they leave everything. Him and Andrew and James and John, same, same story, all four of these fishermen. They leave everything. They drop everything and they follow him. Perhaps all we think we want is not all there really is. My question for you today is, is what are you fishing for? And what does God need to fill your net with for you to follow him? I thought I needed to be a millionaire. I thought I, I, I needed to own all these houses, make a certain amount of money, uh, be retired by 30. But at 28, when Jesus says, follow me, and I was doing it, I was still serving and I was doing certain things, but it was at that point that, that I dropped my nets and I fully followed him and my life has never been the same. Here's the thing. Most people don't want to be fishers of men. They hear the story. They think about it. They're like, oh, that's good. That's, that's for, for fishermen to be fishers of men. Um, they, they, they think that they don't know how. They think that they, uh, it, it requires you to go to college for it. They think that you have to be a Christian your whole life. It's just not true. Those things aren't true. My challenge to you is no matter where you are in your stage of life or in your, your journey with Christ, I don't care if you're 90 years old or nine years old, I don't care who you are or how long you've been a Christian, there is a place for you to get involved 
and be a part of God's mission. But you've got to put into deeper water. You've got to stop being afraid. You've got to stop running from the purpose that God has from you. You've got to drop your old nets and follow Jesus to see what He can do through you. I uh, bought this net on Amazon. I wanted to look like a professional. I didn't realize for $23 I could look like such a professional. Um, this, this is a, a cast net. You guys, anybody seen one of these before? Anybody know how to do it? A little bit? A little bit? A couple of you? Um, I, I just learned how to today, and I was going to go ahead and try and fish for a man. If, if there's a man that wants to stand here, and I'm going to throw this. These things are a little heavy. I don't know what it would feel like if I missed, you know? It's not a good idea. Those of you that are fishermen, is this a good idea? It's not a good idea. No. But, so, so I don't think when Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, that he was saying, hey, um, let's, let's throw these, you know, these nets over people to catch them and force them into you know, the church. That's not the idea. Um, but I, I do think that the, the lesson that we need to learn from this is that if we try to follow Jesus while, while you know, trying to run around inside of the net and, 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 and fish for fish while also fishing for men, like it prohibits you from doing everything that God wants you to do. Does that make sense? The only way that you can do what God wants you to do is by by dropping your nets and beginning to follow Jesus. And I think that's what happened with Peter. Jesus said, follow me, Peter, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say to fishermen, follow me and I'll make you farmers of men. Instead, he said, I'm going to use the gifts and the talents that you have, the things that you know about, and I'm going to use those gifts and talents to build my kingdom. The same concept could be said about many other things, many other nets that maybe you guys have. Maybe if, if it's fishing, it's fishing for men. And that doesn't mean you have to completely give up fishing. In fact, maybe you use the gift that you have and the boat that you have and the, the expertise that you have to take some guys out, maybe some young adults out and, and begin to mentor some people using the gift that you have to be a fisher of men. Man, if you're a, a teacher... Maybe it's to be able to start using the gift that you have and the abilities that God has given you and the, the, the skills that you know to begin not only just to teach you know, math and English, but the Word of God to somebody that needs to hear it. If your net and, and the gift that you have is singing, maybe it's singing to the Lord. If it's building, it's, maybe it's to build the kingdom. If it's cooking, maybe it's to feed your pastor. That was bad timing for this really like somber moment that I said that. <laughs> but the point that I'm trying to make to each and every single one of us, I'm trying to make to you, is you have a gift. You have a net. You have an ability. You have a skill. You have something that God has specifically set you up to do. And only you can do it. Like, don't, don't try to put it on somebody else. Don't try to ask me to do something with the little ones when I'm zero gift with, with babies. Like, I, I don't know how to handle babies. You know, if, if you have a gift with, of, you know, gab and you know how to talk to people, use that gift to go and introduce yourself to people out in the parking lot and make them feel welcome. Take the time and use the gifts that you have to begin to make a difference in our church and in our community. Help us to fulfill 
to fill the 26 positions that we have, the things that we need to get filled so that even if you serve twice a month, I'm not saying every Sunday two times a week. I'm saying one Sunday uh, for one service two times a month. That way there's other people that are actually serving twice a week, every week. They're, they're double serving every single week so they don't even get to come into church because some aren't serving at all. But if you would come in and you would say, you know what, I could give a little bit, I could do a little bit. If you would be one of those 26 serving, you never know the impact that it would have, not only on you, I mean on the other people, but how much more so on you? How much more so on, on, on the, the, the gift that you were able to give? I, I've just been living vicariously through the Lynches who just came back from Africa. Arlene, you can uh, wave your hand. And we prayed for them a couple weeks ago. I think Alan's in the back. Alan's back in the booth or somewhere. They just came from a two-week trip from Africa. You guys were here when we prayed over them, right? And, and uh, it's, like, it's like, I'm so jealous. I saw the videos. I saw the, the, the work that they did. But I also saw the play that they did, man. And, and eating on the plains with, you know, gazelle around them and, 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 and a safari and all that stuff. Like, how awesome is that? And when you told me you wanted to go, when you told me you wanted to go six months ago, and all I thought about was the money and the time, I was like, these guys are crazy. And now it's like, who's the fool now? I am. I missed out. I missed out on the opportunity because I could have went, I'd have got somebody to stand up here and preach for 30 minutes two times, and we would have been good. I would have been out there riding on rhinoceroses or something like that. <laughs> But you just never know. You never know if you don't like take that step, put out into deeper water, just be willing to say, God, what are you going to do through me? And you might say, well, kids and production and singing and all that stuff doesn't fit me. Well, what does? What does? Check the box that says, I have no idea. There's not a box like that, but just circle it, and then I'll call you personally, and we'll figure it out together. We'll figure out a way to get you plugged in to use your gifts for God and for his kingdom. Amen? If you have a gift, we want you to use it. We have a, we have a vision, and our vision is to plant churches. It's not just the campus that you're sitting in at the time you're sitting on. It's, it's seven churches in the city of Miami. So that means we need seven teams of kids leaders and seven teams of worship leaders and seven teams of connections. And so this might be the hub. This might be the sending station where people will go and, and send and, and be a part. There's already a connections director that's serving for her first service uh, ever right now in Homestead because of this campus, because of this church. And you might be one of those. I don't know what God wants to do or how God wants to do it, but allow God to use you in ways that you never thought he could. Here's the final point, and then we're going to wrap it up. It's not over till it's over. You back up, so I mean, you, you scoot ahead. This is Luke chapter 5 that we just read. But you scoot ahead through the life and, and ministry of Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus is then crucified. He's buried. Uh, everybody thought it was over, but on the third day, he rose again. Amen? And, and he conquered death, the hell, and the grave. And, and uh, then Peter is, is nowhere to be found. Well, he is somewhere to be found. He's, he's back where he was when Jesus found him, the Sea of Galilee. 
In John chapter 21, Jesus finds Peter, and he's no longer a fisher of men. Jesus finds Peter, and he's doing what he used to do, which is being a fisher of fish. This is what it says in John chapter 21, starting at verse 3. Peter says, I'm going to go out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, and they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Again, when you go and you go on your own and in your own strength, you don't find and you don't get the, 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 the blessing and the ability that goes when you go with God. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called to them and he said, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The story goes on, and you can read it for yourself, John 21. But Jesus has this interaction with Peter, and he, he sees who Peter was and the life that he lived. He even saw that he knew the, 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 the fact that Peter had denied Jesus three times. When Jesus needed him most, Peter said, I don't know the man. He cursed and said, I don't know him. Three times he said, I'm not with him. And then Jesus is at, at the boat back on the shore and he's calling to Peter and he says, hey, do it again. Cast your net again and pull in the, 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 the load of fish that I give to you. And then they have this interaction and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Jesus is like, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my my sheep. He gives him those three opportunities to say three times what he had denied three times before. And I say that to somebody in the room that might be like, man, but you don't know me. You don't know my brokenness. You don't know my mess. You don't know the stuff that I've done. Well, I don't know you personally, but I know Jesus and I know Peter. And I know Peter was a mess. He was an idiote. And if God can use an idiote, an ordinary, unschooled guy to build his church on, then he can use me, he can use you, he can use your nets, he can use your gifts, your abilities, your past, your present, and your future to begin to make a difference. But it's up to you. It's up to you if you'll let him. The key is to know that it's not over until Jesus says it's over. Wherever you're at today, begin to allow Jesus to work in your life. Would you stand with me? This is uh, our time when we, we get to kind of like respond to the message. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a few moments, nobody's looking around. This is that chance for you just to say between you and God, God, here I am my past, my net, my gifts, my abilities, my, my wants, my desires. Here I am. The first thing that has to happen, and I, I say this every week, but the first thing that has to happen is, is you have to follow Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, today can be the day of salvation. Today can be that day when you decide to surrender all to Him. It's not by works. Our, our salvation is by grace, not by works, so that no man can boast. Today can be that day when you say, God, forgive me of my sins, change my life, be my Lord and my Savior. And if you pray that prayer, 
he comes in and he, he saves you and he begins to do a transformative work in you. And, and then he begins to use your nets. He begins to use your abilities. He begins to use your past and your, 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 your gifts and your abilities to make a difference in those around you. So God, we are praying right now for each and every person in the room, everybody that's within the sound of my voice online, God, every person that's, that's thinking about where they are and thinking about their life and thinking about the call that Jesus made to Peter to follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. God, the first step is, is for those that, that don't know you, that they would just surrender to you to ask you to come in to be Lord of their life. If you don't know Jesus, it's a simple prayer that goes like this, and you can pray it in your heart as I pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner and that I've made mistakes. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Transform me and make me new. Here and now, I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. If you prayed that prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to welcome you into the family of God. I want to encourage you to continue to grow in your relationship with God and take next steps. There's a, a connection card on your chair, and we want, to, we want to help you get a Bible in your hands and help you know how to get connected into a small group. Find ways to plug in uh, to the life of this church. Maybe, though, for those in the room that are here or even within the sound of my voice, there's those in the room that would say, you know, Pastor, you're speaking and I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I know that I've, I've used my gifts selfishly for far too long. And here and now, I want God to use me. I want God to transform me and make me uh, a vessel for Him to take my nets to catch whatever it is he wants to catch, to do whatever it is that he wants to do. If that's you today, if God's speaking to you, would you just lift your hand where you're at and say, Pastor, pray for me. Today I'm taking a step of faith. Praise God. Anybody else? Say, yes, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I see your hand over here. Praise God. Anybody else? God, you know each and every one, many in the room that are already serving and plugged into the life of ministry, others that need to get plugged in. God, I pray that you would just help them. Pray that you would walk with them and, and, and guide them and help us to, to, to show them a, a clear path to know what to do and how to get involved. God, I thank you for the example of Peter that it's never too late, even after walking directly in your footsteps, that it's never too late to step back in alignment with you to become a fisher of men. Thank you, O oh God, for the things you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this closing song, and then Mikey will come up and do the announcements.
the Lord some praise in this house this morning. Well, good morning. You may be seated. My name is Pastor Mikey, and thank you again for joining us here at Renew Church. Uh, so happy to see you guys. Um, man, baby dedications, those things were, were unbelievable. So happy to see so many families, uh, man, making that dedication to their children. And uh, what an honor to be just a part of a church that is coming alongside these families and, and, and going to raise these kids and, and, and teach these kids in the ways of the Lord. What an awesome, amazing thing to be a part of. So um, if you guys have been here for the last few weeks, you know that I like to talk about one specific area of ministry. Does anybody want to take a guess as to what that is? It's small groups, ladies and gentlemen. I am here once again talking about small groups. So the small group season is officially off and running. And listen, we, we talk about small groups all the time because we really do believe that that's, that's where you really get connected to the church. Like, this is great. I love what we do on Sundays. I love Sunday service. But small groups is just that extra, extra bit of intimacy, extra bit of just real life to life, growing in your faith, learning some people, being a part of the community um, of, of the body of, of Christ. So uh, don't hear it from me because I get paid to say that. But I want to bring up uh, my dad, Mike, and he's going to share a little bit about uh, the group he attends. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm one of the leaders. Oh, first of all, I'm wearing glasses because the lights bother me. It's not because I think I'm cool or anything like that. I want to make that clear. But besides that, um, I'm one of the leaders that Celebrate Recovery. Uh, I'm happy to announce that we've been one year here at Renew Church. It's been fantastic. And, uh, we're very thankful for Pastor Trevor and Misty to allow us to have it here in the church. And uh, well, as I was saying, uh, Celebrate Recovery, for those of you who don't know, is a 12-step confidential Christ-centered recovery group for any and all of life's uh, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Uh, me, my personal story, uh, I've been a follower of Christ for many, many years, and uh, I was at a point in my life where I couldn't figure out why I was so miserable. Even though I was a follower of Christ, I, uh, I was battling with anxiety, with fear, with depression, the illusion of control. I was selfish. I was angry. I was a disaster. And I knew that something was missing in my life, um, and I was just at an all-time low. <clears throat> and uh, I didn't want to live that way, not even one more day. It was just, it was unbearable. Uh, the weight of the world was on my shoulders, and I didn't know how to handle it. And um, I was thankful because my sister-in-law, she, uh, she was attending Celebrate Recovery. And I was always very critical of her, and uh, I noticed a, an actual genuine change in her life. And uh, she invited me to go, and I wasn't sure what it was or what I was getting into because the name itself was weird. I was like, celebrate recovery. I was like, what is that? What does that mean? Like, I just went. I, I took a leap of faith, and I went, and it was the best decision of my life. I could tell you that um, through Celebrate Recovery, I, I, um, it kind of gave me a roadmap uh, to get to know God in a more intimate level. Because I knew of God, but I didn't truly know God. I didn't know him. I just knew of him. And this kind of showed me through the steps and questions that we go through um, to get to go, get closer to God. I was able to, at the same time, um, surrender every area of my life to him and step out of denial. The denial that I thought that everything was fine and when it really wasn't. And it gave me coping tools to, uh, for life, for life in general. And um, basically... It's a, it's a place where broken people could go and uh, with no judgment, no condemnation, and, uh, and just be together, worship God, learn from God, and build each other up and celebrate in each other's victories. 
I haven't figured it all out. God has done a lot of things in my life. There's still more to go. But I'm excited now about the future because I know that he has good plans for my life. And Celebrate Recovery has helped me uh, to achieve a lot of those things. And even if you think that you've got it all together and your life is perfect and everything is great, and trust me, I know a lot of people that uh, came to Celebrate Recovery to support either their spouses or friends or family. And they ended up staying because God revealed to them areas in their life that needed work. You know, we're all human. We're all broken in one shape or the other. And uh, it's a safe place. And I encourage you guys to look into it and find out about it. And, uh, and you know, just come check it out whenever you can. Thank you. So join a group. That is, that's my message to you guys. Um, you can check out maybe a flyer in the lobby. But go check out our website, renew.miami forward slash small groups see which one fits your schedule see which one stands out to you and uh man just take that leap of faith like my dad was saying take that leap of faith join a group and man i, I can almost guarantee it it'll be it'll be worth your time so I also want to mention immediately after this service, we're going to have a growth track. We're meeting up in our, the Connections Room. It's the building to your right. Basically, what that is, is um, if you want to know just a little bit more about Renew Church, a little bit behind the scenes, um, our mission, our vision, our, our values, if you have any questions, those things that typically we don't get to do on a Sunday morning, growth track is the opportunity for that. I, I highly guarantee it if you've never done it. It's just about 45 minutes, and uh, it'll be worth your time. So um, growth track immediately after the service in the connections room um, and another thing if we're going to apply pastor trevor's message today then we have to at least check out these tables all of our ministry areas have put extremely hard work into presenting these really cool awesome tables the youth one is the best one but you can check out the other ones i mean i'm not gonna lie at church so no check them all out man really just pass by if there's a ministry area that that interests you Talk with a leader there, see what they got to say, and see if God is maybe tugging on your heart and getting involved in, in one of these ministry areas. Uh, so when you get out, hang a left and go down this hallway here, and then you can even exit out there as well. Lastly, guys, if you'd like to give to Renew Church, I just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in, in front of you. You can drop them off in a bucket on your way out. Uh, the second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting give to 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word preached. God, we thank you for the worship. Even this baby here is worshiping you right now as we pray, Lord. But God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be here. We thank you for this church. We thank you for these families who dedicated uh, their children to you, oh God. God, help them. We lift them up, Jesus. And God, we pray for the offering this morning. God, pray that you would use it. God, pray that you would continue to, to reach people for Jesus Christ, Lord. Help us to reach this community. Help us to reach this city, oh God. And I pray that you would bless these people, Father, as they give, as they trust you, and as they worship you in this way, oh God. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. I'll see you guys out there.